Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, Sports Travel for Sports Fans, by Sports Fans. And we are back in jolly old blighty. It's freezing cold. The off-season has begun, but there's still plenty to talk about and plenty of interviews from Radio Road to bring you. Ollie Hunter joins me on the line. We've got so much to get into, uh, and I'm just trying to think where any of it is. This is the Gridiron Show. Ollie, I'm sure I've asked you this question before, but when you're at home whilst we're doing the show, do you still do the dance? I just did it, yeah. Excellent. Of course I did. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I needed to know. Uh, Ollie Hunter, Will Gavin with you for the Gridiron Show. Don't forget to keep checking out our friends at Sports Travel Tours. It's Sports Travel Tours 1 on Twitter. We've just, they've just launched their uh, Ireland packages uh, heading over to Dublin. I'm sure we'll make it out for that game as well as, well as our tour coming up later in the year. Andrew has sent over some early artwork for it. It's all getting very exciting, building up to that. As soon as they've announced the schedule, we will put together and announce exactly what the tour is going to be. But start saving your money now because it's going to be an absolute tour of a lifetime. Plus, you get to get driven around by me and Ollie and go out drinking with us. Enjoy all the things that we enjoyed at the Super Bowl, uh, but for a whole like 11 days of us. Lots of eating. There'll be lots of eating, crap food, but also great food as well. And, and uh, it must be mentioned that you can, if you go to Sports Travel Tours right now, if you enter the uh, code GRIDIRON16, that's GRIDIRON is in the name of our show, 16, the year 2016, then you will get 10% of any package they're currently offering on the NFL, college football, anything like that. So GRIDIRON16 on the Sports Travel Tours website. Ollie, it's a bit of a weird one because we did, basically didn't leave each other's side for like eight or nine straight days. Uh, Have you missed me? Yeah, I mean, Mist, you might be strong. <laughs> no, but we did go and see Deadpool, like, three days after coming back. Oh, I forgot <laughs> I have seen you since we've been back. Deadpool was yeah. amazing, by the way. It was amazing. It was amazing. Loved Deadpool. Uh, so, yeah, first film recommendation of the off-season. There you go. We're going to have to do a lot of that to fill your off-season. Although there's still... I mean, the Combine's only about a, a nine or ten days away now. Then after that, we're going to go straight into draft build-up. Uh, we've got interviews already in the bag for that planned and plenty more besides we've got all of our radio row interviews today we're going to hear from two player well no we're not we're going to hear from one player and one world heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder just because it was a really fun interview we're going to pop that on the end of the podcast and hope you enjoy that uh, with a lot of the interviews we've got we've got like Shakandrick West plus Clark Hunt plus a bit of Eric Berry all that we can do uh, and plus Bobby Bell Chiefs Hall of Fame legend. Because we've got all of those little snippets, we can put those all together and do a bit of a Chief special. We've got Blake Bortles, we've got Alan Hearns, we'll put those together, do a bit of a Jag special. Uh, uh-huh, so uh-huh. There's basically loads. We're going to do our concussion special as well. We're going to do an LA Rams special. So there's loads of stuff coming up. But today we're going to hear from Cam Irving with everything going on with Johnny Manziel over the past few weeks. Uh, he gave us some fascinating insights into what he's like in the locker room, what he's like behind the scenes, what it's like blocking for him on that offensive line. And so, uh, yeah, and he was really very honest. I mean, Matt Sherry asked him a question about it and literally he didn't stop talking for a solid five minutes and just kept going. We just had to sit back and let him go. And he obviously had a lot to get off his chest. So there's some really, really good stuff in there as well. But Ollie, I have missed you. Other than Deadpool, how have you been? Yeah, I've been fine. Work, back to work. I've had a, a couple of lazy days uh, over the weekend. And also, for anyone that, uh, that plays cricket, I did my first cricket nets of the year on Saturday, and I'm, I'm still sore. 
because with cricket bowling especially uses loads of different muscles that you wouldn't normally use over the winter so down the down my sides my shoulders my arms my legs my really ass you're gonna say that <laughs> i really thought you were gonna say down my shaft when you started off on that noise. <laughs> i thought i don't want to hear about that you've got to wear it's a box fa- buddy Still a family show, pal. Uh, <laughs> so also... I'm still in a bit of pain. But how about you? Well, I mean, no, hold on. We have asked out on Twitter, at Gridiron, for people's questions for the show. Because obviously, uh, we need to know what you want us to talk about with so much to cover in the off-season. I think later in the show, we're going to talk a bit about the Broncos and Panthers. We never really talked about off the back of the Broncos winning Super Bowl 50. What was going to happen with those two squads going forwards? And there's plenty to talk about there. So we'll do a few minutes on that. Uh, but yeah, we've asked for your questions. We did have one in from Ed Hayes. Uh, this relates to what you were just saying about you doing some physical exertion, asking, will Ollie be hitting the weights in prep for the UK football season? Hashtag pumping iron. Anything more on the idea that you're going to join uh, a British Abafa team in the off-season and try and become a punt holder? A kick holder, even? Don't think you hold a punt. Well, currently no update. Uh, Niall Owens also has tweeted in at Gridiron uh, for an update on my Gridiron adventure. Um... No update as of yet, but rest assured, Ed, I will be hitting the gym because I came back uh, from America holding a little bit more timber than I'd like to hold. And I don't like what I see in the mirror. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I will be... But you, you shaved your head and you look all sexy and you look like a rock star now, so surely you should yeah. love what you see in the mirror. Well... You know, you can always improve. So I will be hitting the gym. And my goal, yes, I think you always need a goal when you go to the gym. My goal will be to join an NFL, uh, sorry, a Brit-American football team. I'm thinking the London Blitz. I need to talk to Matt Sherry when Matt Sherry gets back from his uh, West Coast adventure because I think we're going to coordinate it with doing stuff in um, in in the magazine as well. So... Uh, the, it, the wheels are in motion in my head, but they're not physically turning, as it were. <laughs> they're in motion, but they're not physically turning. So they're no, just kind in of my head. They're, they're like wobbling side to side slightly. They're, they're thinking about moving. It's like that when you yeah, stir yeah. in bed in the morning. They're not going yet, but they're they're, they're thinking about it. Uh, you know I, what it is? It's, it's when you've got um, you're about to hit the bite point when you drive a car. Nice. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's it's ready to go, but. We haven't pressed the accelerator fully and going yet. Speaking of which, my wife passed her driving test on Monday. I tell you what, that's one of the most surprising things that I've ever seen or heard. I mean, that was incredible. How has she done that? What do you mean? <laughs> I had, had no idea that she was that close to passing. Well done, Sarah. Yeah, well, I, the, the fact is, is you were talking about the issue of your waistline. And the one thing that I've always had as a boon is that I can't drink as much because I've been the only driver in my marriage. And so Sarah's not a big drinker. So it's always been the case that the moment Sarah passed, she would start doing all of the driving. If we went to social events, to parties, Great. to dinner parties. So I'm already a big fella, but the amount of extra weight I'm going to get to put on through alcohol consumption over the next six months is going to be incredible. Mate, you're going to just have to come and join me uh, and play on the O-line or something. <laughs> no chance. 
absolutely <laughs> no chance. Uh, and uh, what else has gone on? You asked me what was going on in my life. Sarah's passed driving test. We're, we're closer to the house. Uh, all the mortgage has been accepted, all that stuff. Oh, the Gridiron Party. I've, I've kind of had feedback on that over the last couple of days. Thank you to everyone who came down and watched the Super Bowl at Bloomsbury Bowl Lanes. Got to meet Tory Holt. Really cool. He let people take photos with his uh, Super Bowl ring on. Menelik Watson was apparently really cool. They stayed around and watched the game at the venue as well. And all oh, the feedback great. has been really positive. So thank you to everyone who who got involved in that. And hopefully we'll have more events coming on in the off-season, in uh, through the regular season. We're thinking about after international series games, maybe doing some events in central London so that after the games you can come and watch the late games with us uh, as and when they announce, obviously. I think all three are going to be early games. That's the impression we're getting. That's their intention, but they haven't been able to confirm uh, all three of those quite as of yet. So uh, loads of other stuff going on. Um, and, and I got a new job, so loads of stuff. I, I literally, yeah. I've been back eight, nine days, and it's been go, 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 go. Well, that's, and that's the best way it is. And there's a, yeah, problem with, there's a problem with my new job, Ollie. What's that? Well, we might have to become like an all-purpose American sports podcast, or I might become really boring and start talking about baseball. Oh, get out of it. No one wants to hear about <laughs> baseball. <laughs> uh, we- I, I'll, I'll accept some basketball talk, because now that I like basketball, but I'm not avid baseball. Fine. What's the point? Just go and play cricket. And, of course, you can listen to uh, the Major League Baseball on TourSport 2 when it arrives at the start of the regular season, hosted by Will Gavin. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to pretend to like baseball. Yeah, that's going to be interesting and fun. I, maybe I'll end up really liking baseball. My dad really likes baseball, I found out when I was last at home. He's like, I, I, he's a big cricket guy. and No one likes baseball. Well, he does. Russell Hargreaves loves baseball. Yeah, but, well... Less said about that, the better. <laughs> uh, so how do we want to tackle this? We've got plenty to be getting on with, plenty to be talking about. Loads of questions off Twitter. We've got a couple of Twitter. What did I, Twitter? Too much time spent on the West Coast, that was. But any questions coming in off Twitter? Uh, I played to Sarah uh, this morning. I was going through the audio to work out which interviews we wanted to listen to. And I found the audio of me attempting to say Donovan McNabb's name. Uh, oh, my God, uh, that was so funny. <laughs> Donovan McNabb. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so... I'm trying really hard to work on my enunciation. <laughs> so I don't start saying... Uh, uh, but she thought it was hilarious as well. So just so you know, she thought it was as funny as you guys did. And it's been on the podcast, so people have already heard it. So we're banging on about something they already know about. Uh, so yeah, do we, we, we could turn to Twitter. We could talk about these teams from the Super Bowl. What's, well, what's your kind of preference? I think, um, let's start off with those two Super Bowl teams, uh, Carolina and Denver, because there's an awful lot of those guys, especially in... Um, in free agency and, fr- and, and with the franchise tagging coming up as well, that they're only allowed, remember, teams are only allowed one franchise tag. So who are they going to spend it on if they spend it on at all? Oh, well, the thing is, I think with both teams, there's, there's a relatively... I, I, I said I, wasn't, I was going to try harder to enunciate properly, and that obviously meant I was going to cock it up in the next sentence I said. Of course. With both teams, there seems to be quite an obvious selection for the tag on either side. Um, whether it be... I, 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 there's been an estimated franchise tag figures come out and there's some interesting uh, discussion to be had outside of the conversation of these two teams, particularly in reference to Kirk Cousins, whose contract uh, talks appear to have stalled in Washington, and we'll get onto that in, in a short while. But 
I think Von Miller has to be tagged in Denver. If they from everything we saw from the post-match press conference, he wants to stay in Denver. He said that mm-hmm. any negotiations with the teams were going to be done on a friendly basis. He wasn't going to be going in there and demanding the world. But the fact of the matter is, is franchise tag him now, and it'll probably cost you about $14 million this year. It's a re, re, basically a bargain in terms of what Von Miller offers you. If he hits free agency, whether it's this summer or next summer, he will become the highest paid defensive player of all time, like more so than J.J. Watt. He's, he's looking at quarterback type money off the basis of what he's done in the last three years. So Von Miller seems like the really obvious choice for Denver. Looking at the rest of their situation, they've got other players who are hitting free agency on the line. There's Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson trying to keep that together. I think Antonio Smith will... Be, almost obviously definitely be out of the door. You've got Danny Trevathan as well in that oh. linebacking core, along with DeMarcus Ware, who I think will stay around and see out his final season. And then you know, you've got the Peyton Manning situation. Peyton Manning is still, we expect, likely to retire. Brock Osweiler has put his own contract talks on hold. He said it's out of respect to Peyton while Peyton makes his decision and that they'll resume talks once they know whether or not Peyton will be there next season. So they've still got to tie up Osweiler as well. They've got a reasonable amount of cap room considering there is an, uh, we're waiting on the expected expansion of salary cap space. So I expect they will try and bring back as many of those pieces as possible. But you are looking at a situation not dissimilar to what happened with the Ravens, where they could end up losing four or five really key pieces going into this offseason. And where they're need gonna, actually going to need to focus in the draft on an area that was already an area of strength for them. I think they need to look at the offensive line. Evan Mathis was only on a one-year deal. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But also on the defensive line, I think maybe they only keep one of Jackson and Wolf. Jackson was talking about the sort of money he expects to make in this offseason, and he's talking about big, big, big money. So the Broncos, they're already, I think, eighth or ninth favourites to repeat next season. You can understand when their quarterback's leaving is part of that, but a lot of that has got to do with the fact that they've got a lot of potential levers in free agency. Yeah, I mean, uh, they will want to keep, as you said, that line as 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 healthy and as intact as they possibly can but do you think with uh, especially with von miller we could see something where they they cap him just so that he doesn't go anywhere and then a bit like with des bryant last year he eventually finds signed five years 70 million dollars do you think that something like that could happen i think as that- a kind of a reward for yeah. for what he's done i think they'll be desperate to time down to a long-term deal he's the sort of franchise player who you can build your defense around over a long period of time he's the sort of player that i'm sure they'd love to have uh, be a denver bronco for his entire career um so i think for the broncos there is an element where there's going to be some overturn whether they avoid it or not they're going to be able to keep that backfield together who were so impressive over the course of this season it'd be interesting to see what they do with the likes of darian stewart who's more on the fringes, but uh, keep to leave Chris Harris, TJ Ward, all there and all under contract. Uh, they're so impressive in the Super Bowl. And I watched the game back when I got back last week. And what I kind of noticed, which I hadn't seen so much of before when we were watching the game live, maybe because of our position, maybe because I was trying to concentrate on tweeting and writing things down and everything else. But what they did with the backfield that was so impressive in switching between, uh, they never did anything that was too complicated. 
but they switched their coverages literally every single snap with never any particular, obviously, order or anything. It wasn't like they were playing cover two on first downs, cover four or cover six on third downs to cover the backfield. They, they were changing it, played a lot of different man, a lot of zone, and literally they were going cover two, one snap, cover three, cover four, cover six, yeah. where we play an element of quarters and an element of cover two. They were like, they were mixing it up every time, and that seemed to be one of the big things that threw Cam and stopped him getting such a, such a, a a rhythm going in his passing game. So for them, it's key to keep those players around and try and build on the offense. Maybe they look at a star running back in the first couple of rounds. That could be interesting. Although CJ Anderson did come into his own in a big way. I think he had uh, touchdowns in five of the last six games of the season, including the Super Bowl. So he, again, for the second year running, had an impressive end to the season. Uh, On the Panthers side of things... Their big concern is going to be their secondary because, okay, that front you are going to have to potentially look to replace. I think Coney Ely did a phenomenal job coming in in the Super Bowl. He had an MVP-type performance. I think you'll see him coming in and playing one of those two defensive end positions as a starter next season over... I think Jared Allen might be done. And Charles Johnson represents $11 in cap space for next season. If they can cut him and find... From the other people they've got there, I think Mario Addison, obviously he had that phenomenal play on the kick return in the Super Bowl. But whether he's a starter or not, I don't know. We'd have to wait and see how he develops next season. But maybe pass rush is an area for them to focus. But their big free agent is Josh Norman. And what the decision they've kind of got to make is they've invested so much money, those high draft picks, they will re-sign K1 Short and Starlo Talele, potentially this offseason, potentially next uh, obviously that linebacking core Davis, Keekley, Thompson invest a lot of money there and you kind of feel like the secondary yes Josh Norman has been unbelievable this year but the franchise tag number on a cornerback you're looking at what, 13, 14 million dollars are they going to be what is Josh Norman the kind of guy who's going to get that very top end Darrell Revis type money or are we going to expect him to be more in the in the mid range in the kind of 20, 25 million guaranteed rather than 35 million guaranteed. Will he accept that sort of money to take a longer term contract? I'm hoping they get a hometown discount and Josh Norman sticks around. But I think franchise tagging him might be a mistake. I can see where you're going. You know, he's he's 28, 29 years of age now, uh, 28 years of age. If you fran- franchise tag him, that's another year. Yeah, you're right, $13.7 million. But they could lose Charles Tillman, Roman Harper, and they'll let Cortland Finnegan go as well. You get rid of him, they've got Kurt Coleman and Trey Boston. Trey Boston had a great sort of end to the year. Um, but Robert McLean, Benny Ben Wickery as well. I, I think if you get rid of Norman or you allow him to leave... How do you replace that? Who do you put, replace that with? My, I, I think, think my feeling on it, though, is that actually we slagged off. I mean, Benny Ben Wickery I liked a lot, but we slagged off McLean. We slagged off Finnegan going into those two games, expecting them to be an area of weakness. And actually, because of the scheme, because of the design of their play, because they play such simple schemes in the backfield and they allow their front seven to go and make a lot of the plays, both yeah. in coverage and in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, that actually those guys plugged and played and did a good job. It's whether or not... If they, I think they should be looking to invest in pass rush Uh, I think they should be looking to invest high in the draft in that area. It's whether or not they want to then throw a lot of money at a a blue-chip player in a secondary which doesn't necessarily need blue-chip players to work. 
I suppose, yeah, when you've got Keekley and Davis and Shaq Thompson and Coney Ely dropping back doing what Coney Ely did in that Super Bowl, it, it yeah, it doesn't seem as, as high a priority. However, I, I think Josh Norman did have that kind of year. But then because he had that kind of year, he didn't win the Super Bowl with the, with the Panthers this year. There are teams out there that need someone quality and that have the cap room and the cap space to, to go and get him. Some, a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, for instance, who have $75 million worth of, of free cap space. So that could be somewhere or a team that, that could interest Josh Norman and vice versa. That would be, if, if, that, if that came to bear, I know they'd have to pay him massive guarantees, but if he hit free agency and I was Jacksonville, I had that sort of money, he would be my number one target, hands down. I I, yeah, I would absolutely. go after him so aggressively. And what's interesting about this draft in terms of corners, you've got a few guys who are kind of nailed on first-round guys. People are talking about Jalen Ramsey going very high in the draft, the guy out of Florida State. Uh, speaking to um, Clancy about this, he, he likes uh, Kendall Fuller, the Virginia Tech corner. Uh, There's a guy, Vernon Hargreaves, out of Florida. I don't know if they go and spend in the first round on that. But then you've got this kind of glut of second, third round guys. Uh, William Jackson out of Houston, Artie Burns out of Miami, uh, Xavier Howard out of Baylor, who are guys who, who they can probably get in the second, third round of the draft. And are co- the kind of corners who have the ability to fill in on that sort of team and actually start from season one. So that's going to be what's most fascinating to me. I, I think so, uh, uh, then on the offensive side of the ball, it's almost invest a little bit more in the offensive line and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I don't I mean, buy into yeah. this idea that they need to go out and get a big name wide receiver. Kelvin Benjamin coming back, Devin Funchess with a second year. They're both like six five, six six, big guys. Greg Olson will be coming back. I don't see the need to everyone's talking about them taking a wide receiver in the first round. I'd go out and invest on defence again. Yeah, I think you you make that defence even better. And we've seen that with with uh, Denver defenses do win championships um i saw an incredible so, stat with the uh with the broncos winning super bowl 50 that's 41 out of 50 super bowls have been won by the team with the higher ranked defense there we go there we go and you you solidify that defense you you bulk up on it um you you're right they do need that pass rusher and then let the offense do it do its work uh, mike tolbert um it will be hitting free agency. I don't expect them to retain him either. Perhaps cutting Fozzie Whitaker. So maybe in the draft, and someone's actually tweeted us in and tweeted us about what do we expect in the draft. We'll come to that in a bit. But late round picks on maybe a running back or a bell cow or something like that. But yeah, shore up that defense. And now we actually had a question. I think that's covered those two teams pretty nicely. We actually had a, couple, uh, a question about franchise tagging, I do believe. Yeah, I thought we did, but I can't find it. Uh- <laughs> I'm sure somebody did uh, tweet us asking about whether they'd used the tag or whether... Uh, I think it might have been relations in specific to the Kirk Cousins situation. Uh, yeah, and but- and, and uh, yeah, I can't find that tweet either. Ridiculous. Whoever Maybe tweeted it to us... deleted it. Uh, <laughs> they really hated the fact that they tweeted us about Kirk Cousins and so deleted the tweet. Incredible. Uh, the, the, the Kirk Cousins question, question is... It, Donovan yeah, I found that one. The, the Kirk Cousin one from Steve Anderson. And he asks? Uh, Steve Anderson, he asks, with the Kirk Cousins contract stalling, 
where else could he land? And will this boost or diminish RG3's stock value? That's a really interesting question. Uh, yeah, I mean, RG3 is not going to be in Washington next season. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And Kirk Cousins, it's an interesting one because uh, Scott McLuhan clearly said that he would rather work out a long-term contract with Kirk Cousins. He sees him as the long-term option there. He obviously had... Uh, a ridiculous year in Washington, set single-season records for that franchise in touchdowns, in yardage, led the NFL in completion percentage, finished fifth in passer rating. This is a guy who had a great season. But the franchise, we're talking $19.6 million. Luckily enough, it's not going to move a huge amount from that. We've had off-seasons where, you know, we know that uh, Rogers, Breeze and Brady were all up for a contract in the same summer two, three summers ago. So we yeah. knew that if you didn't tag your quarterback at the beginning of the summer and tag them at the end, you're possibly going to cost your team an extra three or four million dollars because those were all going to be huge 20 million plus dollar contracts. Um, the fact is, is that it won't move a lot from that, but 19.6, even for a guy who had the production he had last year, seems like too much for me for Kirk Cousins. I, think- I don't know, man. I don't know because he took them to the playoffs. It's for one year whilst they work out something else. I think it's something that they have to do to allay him going anywhere else. I'm not sure where, you know, if he, if he does go, perhaps the Browns. But, I mean, imagine that I can't really see Hugh Jackson going for that. Um, but I, you've, got to, you've got to get him so that he's not going to f- fall into free agency and, and start looking around. And then, then you've got the time to work out the deal. I think 19.6 is actually pretty bang on for Kirk Cousins. I, I, I still feel like after one season, him getting above 14, 15, 16 million, that mid-tier, that Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, well, I know that I was going to just use Jay Cutler as an example, but he's being paid a lot more than that. But that kind of mid-tier guy seems more suitable for me, maybe with a lot of bonuses built in for playoffs, etc. But as a guaranteed figure, I would, yeah. I would hope for lower if I was Scott McLuhan. However, what I do accept is that the NFL as a whole is struggling with developing quarterbacks at the moment. We already know that this year's class, whilst we met Paxton Lynch, lovely guy clearly has the physical traits to be a good quarterback. Jared Goff, similarly physical traits are there, but he's only had one really impressive season. And will Washington want to draft another quarterback, even that high? I don't think so. I think the only place that we'll see Kirk Cousins that, at the beginning of next year, is in Washington. Um, I, and I, 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 think the whole... I think the point I'm making is that I think they will do it because there is a lack of development. And it's something exactly. the NFL really need to focus on. They need to be saying, look, uh, we need to be helping out colleges, helping out schools, making sure these guys are more pro-ready because too many quarterbacks are coming out and failing and it's such a specialised position that we're really in a league where, OK, maybe 20 teams are kind of happy with their quarterback, Maybe 10 are really happy with their quarterback, uh, but you've got to consider teams who might be like like the Cowboys, who obviously have Tony Romo, who's a great quarterback, but they're going to be starting to look at what their options are to move on, particularly after his injury problems in the last two years ramped up beyond where they've been before. Uh, it's it's going to be one of the most fascinating situations to follow. And like I say, I, I agree with you. I think they do tag him. I just think for me, that sort of money's a little rich. Well, again, I'm just going to have to say to you, what they're paying for is next season. I know it's you're looking at what he's done this season, but I think he can only get better. Uh, looking at uh, the the only other player looking at the franchise tags who I thought was a really obvious option was Alshon Jeffrey in Chicago. Oh, yeah. um, 
injuries in 2015 mean that a longer-term deal might not work out. Ryan Pace hasn't ruled out the franchise tag, and maybe and you know everyone always wants to work out the long-term deal with their top guy. But having lost Brandon Marshall and seen how well he's done in New York, and announced on Jeffrey is. Uh, yeah, there's a, a cluster of receivers, whether it's Julio Jones, Des Bryant, uh, AJ Green, you know, that very, very top tier of guys. I mean, Calvin Johnson will talk about on a future podcast as we pay attention to whether or not he retires this year. But he's in that top tier now, Alshon Jeffrey, a clear number one guy in a system which needs a clear number one guy with Jay Cutler under centre. He needs that big target for whom to, to hit in the red zone, for whom to hit with deep passes because of his big arms. So I think he gets franchise tagged if they don't work out a long-term deal. I then think beyond that, I don't see a huge number of players that I expect will do. There's an argument for Mo Wilkinson in, Mil, Mo Wilkerson in New York, I think, a little bit harsh. I know Leonard Williams, they brought in and drafted him, but I thought Mo Wilkerson was the best member of that defensive line this year in New York, and it'd be harsh to see him go. But beyond that... I. Eric Berry, I think, works out a team deal because of his connection with the city. Um, but, well, there's one for me which I think is actually a little more clear-cut than, uh, than than perhaps you're making out. Maybe you've missed him. I, mean, I think Doug Martin in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay have got the the franchise quarterback. They've got Mike Evans, who will be a superstar, hopefully again uh, next season. And then Doug Martin. So you've got that triple threat, that that that... That holy tr- trinity, the the trio, perhaps. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that just so I played in this? Susie's gonna sing about a different kind of chocolatey biscuit. Trio, too loud. Trio, I said that was too loud. I want a trio and I want one now. I think we could easily take that sample of him going too loud. I said that was too loud, and just apply like it that. to my voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, constantly. But don't... too loud, too loud. Yeah, Neil Dutton tweeted in and saying uh, they're bringing back trio after thirteen years. Are you happy about it? Um, I couldn't care less. I don't like milk chocolate, so I won't be. Uh, ooh, ooh, harsh. I did like a I club. Mean, I like the raisin club. He says. Uh, noshing on his Bourneville. Um, what was the <laughs> the ponziest of, the of chocolates? Uh, running backs. What's the franchise tag figure? It's um, eleven point something million. Eleven point five million. Doug Martin was second in the league uh, in in terms of yards per uh, amount of yards. Um, it was his second best ever year as a, as a running back. That his first was I his best it, year was his first season. I think he has to. He'll, there'll be a lot of people, and, and running backs are, um, uh, they're in high demand as well. And do, you know what, if, do you know what as well, actually? I think it'll drop below that 11.5 million when you consider the fact that Marshall Lynch has retired now, so that's a, he had a 12 million a year contract. Arian Foster, who knows if he'll be back at the Texans. He was yeah. one of those top five contracts, dragging up that total. Uh, I mean, LeSean, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Matt Forte at the moment. That's a good question to come on to in a moment. So, I think you're probably right. I think they have to try and work out a deal with Doug Martin, as with any of these. But yeah, okay, potentially that's another franchise tag. Tag him, tag him, then work out the deal. And I think that that's the the most sensible option for Dirk Cota because he wants to start with the the three guys on that offense that that know the offense already. So you know, where does Matt Forte go? Uh, well, I I think when we found out was it when we were in. 
uh, in San Francisco that he was going to be leaving, or just about when we got no, back? No, it was, it was after we got back. In fact, I think it was a couple of days after we got back, kind of the Wednesday, Thursday. But when you've kind of got that west to east jet lag <laughs> the day plus moving on to night shifts as i did or going straight to work as you did those shifts tend to kind of blend into one another but it was in it was a couple of days after we were back i think well and uh, of course you and i uh, couldn't sleep so we're messaging and uh, matt forte's gone and uh, we had a quick chat about where we thought he might go and i, I chucked in there new england and this has been getting a bit of momentum uh, steve anderson uh, again, has tweeted in a lot of talk about Matt Forte in the past. Is this going to be a done deal or are we missing something? It kind of makes a lot of sense because Forte is, uh, I think two years ago, he caught the most amount of uh, balls by a running back. Um, they lo- he's, he's, they love, he, he loves it. He's very good at being used from out of the backfield as a pass catching running back, but he also can run north south as well. And that's the, exactly the kind of guy that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady would love to have on their roster. He can, and actually, if you look back to his early days when he first came into the career, he was more of a banger, more of a north-south runner, as you say. But as he's hit 30 and in the last two years, he has become more adept at catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, uh, becoming that more elusive runner. And I think somebody suggested the Seahawks, somebody else suggested the Cowboys. And I think with those, the zone-blocking schemes those sorts of teams run, uh, which very much suit those north-south runners. I don't know if I'd want to go out and spend the kind of money on Matt Forte that you'd have to spend to bring a blue-chip player like that in. Second time I've used that phrase, blue-chip player, today. Don't know where it's come from. Never used it before in my life. Uh, I don't know if you'd want to spend that money when he doesn't necessarily fit your system perfectly. I mean, we saw with the, the Cowboys this year when someone like DeMarco Murray, who was a very north-south runner, leaves, gets put into a system where he needs to be more lateral, failed miserably. Uh, maybe not miserably, but you know what I mean. Matt Forte... Well, much, he did fail miserably. We're not anyone's friends here. You can say that, Will. But Matt Forte, to me, is, is a, a guy who has moved more towards that lateral side of his game, who has become more elusive, who has become more patient. And my problem with the Patriots shout is that whilst I think it makes the most sense on paper, if Dion Lewis comes back, and is as good as he was in the first five or six games of this season before he was injured. I just don't see the need for him. I mean, yeah, but that sort of, that sort of uh, triple threat or double threat you've got with um, with Dion Lewis. James White looked okay as well, and Legarrette Blunt. He's due for uh, this. I should think will be his final season. So that would be the place on the roster that he could take and. There is, there is an argument, to be fair, that if you think about what the Patriots did in the past with uh, two tight end sets and that kind of versatility in short yardage situations, there's an argument that maybe, yeah, they could use these two back sets and try and do something similar. I mean, Forte is a great pass protector as well as, as a good pass catching back and a, a good running back as well. So, yeah, there's an argument that it kind of depends. I mean, the Patriots, I think, for me, need to be, again, investing on defense. I, I'm not... I love what they've got talent-wise at linebacker. I just hate how injured they constantly are there. I think it was the same in, in the uh, same at the cornerback position and then in the backfield this year. Uh, I look at that line, I think, you know, Ninkovic, Easley, Brown as a front three and then Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Gerard Mayo and Dante Hightower have the potential to be the best front seven in the league. But only four of them seem to be fit at any one time. So I'd like to see them invest in some depth, I just don't know. Running back, I'm, I've kind of really bought into the class of do you need that high-end running back 
can you get a guy who plug and plays like they did with LeGarrette Blunt and concentrate your money on spending play in places where you need to spend more money to get a really high-end player? That's the only feeling I have is that... Uh, but looking at who their free agents are, I mean, they're not losing anyone too big this year. So maybe, you're right, maybe it's all about... Uh, Maybe they go out and spend that that big money on Matt Forte. Would you have him in Green Bay? I mean, I'd have him in Green Bay. And it, obviously, there's a link with Julius Peppers there. Uh, we've seen that uh, Eddie Lacy is not the same Eddie Lacy. In fact, he's twice the, the man that Eddie Lacy <laughs> was before. Uh, two times James, the Lacy. Two times the Lacy. Uh, James Starks, who's been a very good servant. He is uh, coming up to free agency I'm unsure. I mean, if you get Matt Forte or James Starks, that's really a no-brainer. You go for James Stark for Matt Forte, sorry. But I'm, I can't. I can't see it. If I was Matt Forte, I'd want to work with. Uh, he seems very Chicago-y, and I know money talks. <laughs> but would you want to go a hundred miles, or however many hundreds of miles it is up, up uh, the? The up is it Lake Michigan? Yeah, it's yeah. Up, up Lake Michigan, up to to, to Green Bay, past Manti, Mantiwoc County. Would you want to do that? I wouldn't want to do that. So um, I can only see him. I couldn't see him at Green Bay. Uh, were there any other questions? Because we got a couple of interviews we need well, to get yeah. to as well. Were there any other questions off Twitter that we wanted to cover while we were here? Adam Barton. Uh, I think we actually that's the one that we were both looking for. Who would be be the biggest free agent signing, uh, excluding staying at? own team and the best value signing <sighs> bloody hell that's uh that's a question <laughs> it, it's it's the really early part of the year where if you if you're looking at the the best free agents available the best unrestricted free agents i mean we've named quite a few of them already von miller josh norman mohammed wilkinson alshon jeffrey uh eric berry malik jackson uh, malik jackson could be a good shout he's a guy who i could see move yeah. but a lot of those guys will end up on the same team cordy glenn's an interesting one the bills tackle um uh. There's not a lot of franchise left tackles in the league, and he certainly looks like one of those. Will he what stick about, around? What about Olivier Vernon? Because I know his time is going to be up in, well, perhaps up in in Miami. He was devastating two years ago. That's why most people, uh, along with Ndamukong Sue coming in. Um, and, he, he's, uh, but he's never quite lived up to it. He feels like the sort of person somebody's going to overpay. He's, he mm. feels like the kind of guy who's never quite hit the production that his talent suggests that he could. Uh, there's a couple of guys in Seattle, actually. Bruce Irvin, uh, I think, is the kind of guy who uh, versatile, can start in plenty of places on the line, speed. He's the sort of person who I think will do well somewhere. Um, Eric Weddle as well. I mean, maybe he stays in San Diego. Now it looks like they're staying in San Diego. But... I would imagine after the situation as it was at the end of the season, he'd go and, all right, at 30, that's an issue, but there are a few safeties who have been better than Eric Weddle over the last five years, and he could make a big impact somewhere. So there's lots of big options, but it's almost something we have to wait another three, four weeks to see what teams do with their own players before free agency kicks off. Well, exactly. And one team that we uh, would like to see what they do with one of their own, uh, Tom Stokes asks, will the Eagles keep Sam Bradford or look to draft to replace him? And look, we spoke to Paxton Lynch and we'll hear um, that interview in full closer to, to draft time. But uh, if you look at a lot of mock drafts from a lot of the, the, um, the experts in and around the NFL and college football, many of them have got him going to the Eagles. 
Wow, I, I, I genuinely, I, do you know what, I've barely looked at mock drafts yet. Uh, it's something that I, I find counterproductive if I do it too early because I get overexcited. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, I mean, that's a big shout. And actually, I think with, with what they're moving to with Doug Peterson, maybe that makes a lot of sense, actually, because it depends on how they're... The thing is, actually, Sam Bradford looked good the last five or six games of the season. And whilst overall his year wasn't good, I think he hasn't damaged his mm. overall stock but he hasn't raised his overall stock so I think there are plenty of teams who would give him a shot I mean um, there's been a lot of talk about where could he rejoin Chip Kelly in San Francisco uh, there's there's it's an issue it's going to be down to whether the Eagles want to keep him and I know that's what the question was and I'm afraid I just can't ask answer for Howie Roseman and his boys and say yes or no whether they do but I think if they do let him go there are plenty of teams who would still be interested in him uh, Richard Wyatt, um, what was your worst 2015 preseason predictions assumptions? I think I can speak for both of us, the Philadelphia Eagles and Chip Kelly. Uh, he also How asked, non- well, uh, what was yours? No, it's probably that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as me saying I thought the Cowboys were going to be picking top three overall the season where they went, uh, uh, wherever it was, 11 and 5 and went to the playoffs and looked incredible. So I had a better preseason. Not a great one. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't great all round. <laughs> the Colts. The uh, Colts is the other one. I think uh, one or two of the guys here, Sherry in particular, but I think there's some bias there, saw that the Colts, that Andrew Luck wasn't going to be able to carry them for another season and that the overall dirt, dearth in talent was going to cost them this year. I said that I thought they'd still p- push through and be a playoff team. They didn't even make the playoffs. So that's another one that was a bad, bad prediction. Yeah, I mean, th- look at the, the league, uh, the division that they were coming from. And then it's kind of like, Nearly everybody made that prediction, so don't beat yourself up about it. Uh, Rich Wyatt also shows a picture of uh, Mike Holback, the director of football technology from uh, for Green Bay, and says, does this bother Packers fans? Now, if you haven't seen Making a Murderer all the way through, uh, do, we, do we spoiler it? I, I, ha- I haven't seen it. Okay, so I will gloss over that, Richard, and I say... I don't want to. I don't want to do any spoiler alerts. Rich, not going to happen. Uh, Adam Foxcroft, who is the best lord of the rings, of the flies, of the dance? Uh, well, obviously, flatly, my dear, I don't river dance. It's Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Now oh, get out of it. Lord of the Rings is obviously the best lord. You are aware that's an Alan Partridge gag, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I haven't got the great banter drop. Damn it! Where is it? Somebody's deleted a bunch of my drops from this computer. That's really annoying. I was so ready to... Uh, I'll just play that music and instead. Uh, yeah, that it's uh, uh, Alan Partridge come back from a break and he goes, we're discussing the best lords, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Dance, or Lord of the Flies. Oh, uh, and that's why Foxycroft has got Partridge's on tonight. Hashtag. Okay. Partridge Unders- does return and I'm very excited about that. Is it new Partridge? It's Mid-Morning Matters. If you didn't see the first season, it's... Um, I saw it. Yeah, so it's Mid-Morning Matters, Tim Key's back. Uh, they've got a lot of big-name guest stars in this one, a couple of the guys from The Mighty Boosh, that sort of thing. It looks really funny. They did. There's a four-minute uh, teaser video on the Guardian website, which gives you little snippets from across the episodes, and it looks very, very funny. So I'm really excited about that coming back again. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even know it was coming back. I thought it was, I thought it was adverts for repeats. That's incredible. I love Partridge. Of course, he hails from the same, uh, the same uh, fine city that is Norwich. Yeah, I, you understand that's not a good thing. He's not who you want representing Norwich. 
he is. It's amazing and hilarious. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are a few other questions. Uh, have we watched the OJ Simpson versus the people? Not yet, but I've got it downloaded and ready to watch. Uh, I, I have to finish making Ditto. the murder first. Ditto. Uh, finish making the murderer. So not ditto for that. I think that's it. We've we've. We've exhausted the better of the questions. We won't go into some of the the, the other ones, guys. Some of you guys, please, better questions next time. <laughs> yeah, come on, raise your games, boys. It's the off season. We need you. We need you. Oh, wait, wait. Robert Cop, that can't be his surname, says, "Welcome back, gents. Which of the teams with the top with the top five picks in the draft have the most cause for optimism?" Ooh, that's a really good question. Do you want me to remind you who they are? It is the Tennessee Titans pick first. I, I, well, I can tell you now. I can tell you now the answer is the Dallas Cowboys, but carry on. Chargers, Cowboys, and Jaguars. I would say it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars, because they have that insane amount of cap space available. They've already got a really uh, exciting and interesting uh, offense. And then if Dante Fowler comes back fit or close to 100%, that's like having another first round pick but this year again anyway so i think they could be really exciting this year and it's and in that um horrible division as well we could see the jaguars doing something quite interesting next year Look, the cowboys might have jerry bosa fall to them he's a man monster and looks phenomenal they were poor at that position at the kind of uh pass rush uh well the fact is is that their best pass rusher was greg hardy and he had a really down season based on his on the field performance and hopefully he's not there based on his off the field behavior they've got a great roster already they had so many injuries last year of those five teams if i had to pick a team most likely to go to the super bowl of those five teams it would be hands down the dallas cowboys that's why i say they have the most to be excited about but let's not forget the ravens out at six i know they're not top five but they're better than most people think after a bad season. They've still got a lot of talent there, and they're the sort of team who could turn it around in 2016. And what about the Cleveland Browns? Of course, Cam Irving is Yeah, well, I was a great link, buddy. Well, look, that deserves a round of applause, mate. Uh, Joe, Paul Woolridge, who got in touch with us during the season and is a big Browns fan uh, and wanted us to talk about the Browns in a, a less derogatory light, uh, he's got back in touch in the last five days or so in, in regards to the Manziel situation. Now, let me just read you his email. He said, Hello, Will, Ollie and Matt and whoever else might read or comment on this. As a Browns fan with an interest in wider aspects of the NFL, I wonder what your thoughts were regarding Johnny Manziel and the latest insight into his situation. For the sake of the team, I'm pleased the Browns are going to cut him. If you, don't understand, if you don't know about this, the Browns have said, basically they've admitted they can't cut him until March 7th, but once league rules allow them to, they will cut him. Uh, in light of recent information, which is his father doubting he'll live to his next birthday, his girlfriend pressing charges involving kidnap and physical abuse, the uh, information that he turned up to practice drunk that came out in the last few days. He wants to know what our thoughts were. Now, I, there's lots of things to consider. Upbringing, high school, college, all things which could have potentially played part in the self-destruction that, that we've seen from him. And actually, you know, I think with any of these guys, the fact that they become such superstars at college level and have everything in the world given to them and then suddenly they get money added to that situation they're, they're already celebrities but they're celebrities with not a lot of dough and then suddenly they get given millions and millions of dollars it's still never a surprise to me that this happens to these guys but 
We did speak to Cam Irving. He was the 19th overall pick last year for the Cleveland Browns. Didn't have the greatest rookie season, was in and out of the starting rotation on the offensive line, but showed some great promise. But he had some really good insight into Johnny Manziel. So from Radio Row, let's listen now to what Cam Irving had to say about the Browns, about his season, but also about the fate of Johnny, so-called football. Back down on Radio Row, absolutely delighted to be joined by former 19th overall pick for the Cleveland Browns in last year's draft and a, a BCS national champion with Florida State. I definitely want to talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, Cam Irving, first of all, you've just arrived into San Francisco. How are you finding the Super Bowl City so far? Man, this is a crazy atmosphere, man. I love it. Uh, I want to be playing in this game soon. Uh, everything around it is, is just so, and it's crazy. So, man, I, I've enjoyed the scenery, and I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what the rest of the weekend has in store. Do you, do, realistically, do you think there's a possibility you'll be playing in it soon? I do. I do. I always have hope because all of us are in the NFL, and we play – and we've been close to beating some of the best teams. We we were we went to overtime with a team that's in the Super Bowl right now, with the Broncos. And I'm not saying that that one game can tell the story of a season, but it's 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 just the small things that we notice as a as a, as an organization. We're, we're very close to something special. And I felt the same way at Florida State, man. Uh, you know, we rebuilt going into that national championship at Florida State, but I mean, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And you know, you have to let someone, you know, get, a, get get in the system as far as a coach and let the, let that guy take over and, 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 and you know, let his regime kind of kind of go and see how it goes. So, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. It's been another off-season of change for you guys. Obviously, Mike Patine was fired, but first of all, as a guy who was in that locker room last year, do you think that it was the right decision? And also, how excited are you? that Cleveland have managed to attract in Hugh Jackson, the guy who was easily the hottest coach on the market? Well, I'm not really going to speak on whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, right or wrong, because that's not my place. But I appreciate everything Coach Petten did for me. He gave me an opportunity. So, um, you know, that, that, that goes without saying. So, uh, I mean, all, all we can do as players is roll with the punches and, and, and as things come, uh, you know, we, we handle them as they come. I mean, for, for you, you're going from a defense. I, I don't want you to say anything negative about uh, Petting, but you've gone from a defensive head coach to a very much an offensive-based head coach. Mm-hmm. Have you watched what that Bengals offense do? And I'm particularly interested into whether you're <laughs> excited about splitting out wide on some plays <laughs> and having to uh, get out and maybe catch some passes. I'm definitely excited to see what's in store. And um, uh, he's a very creative play caller. I've seen we played against him this year, and I've watched multiple games. But... Um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. It's something new. Uh, and I love playing ball, so everything that comes with it. And, and, and I, I obviously know you guys can't talk with coaches about football at this stage of the offseason, but have you had a chance yet to speak to Coach Jackson just kind of to get a feel for um, yes, I'm, I met him and, and, and the other coaches uh, on the offensive staff. I, I met him and just introduced myself and wanted to build a little bit of rapport. But uh, like I said, I got good feelings and I, I got a good vibe from all those guys and I'm just ready to go in and see exactly what's going to happen. Well, one guy who, again, is stealing the headlines at the moment is Johnny Manziel. And, 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 and it seems kind of sad almost what, what's happening at the moment. His father today has said that if he doesn't get help, he doesn't think he'll make his 24th birthday. Like That was a quote in, in Dallas Morning wow. News. So that's kind of heading in, in, in a seemingly sad direction. You've obviously been around Johnny for a year. And, I mean, 
what, what are your thoughts on, on the situation with him and, and do you feel like there's, there's a need for some help there um, I mean well with Johnny uh, I've been around him for, 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 for a year now and I've always thought the guy was a, was a jam up guy just because uh, I mean he was, he was always good to me he's nice to me uh, I mean he was a good leader he, he, he can play football and at the end of the day you know we're not asked to be uh, I'm not gonna, and this doesn't mean that I'm not good friends with Johnny but they don't ask you to be friends they ask you to play and, and cooperate with your teammates and I mean he's always been a pretty cooperative teammate in my opinion um, Johnny's a quiet guy he doesn't want all this attention but at the end of the day uh, I mean he's getting it and for the wrong reasons and I pray that you know everything works out in his favor uh but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say this man needs help because a lot of these things are alleged. And, you know, I've learned that you can't say anybody did anything until they until you know they did it. Um, but as far as the ongoing and everything, you know, it's, it's hard to believe and it's hard to wrap your mind around a lot of this stuff that's going on and things that have been released. But like you said, that's not our job to 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 dictate what happens or to dictate what someone says or how someone feels it's about us and how we react and how we rally around them as a as a as the nfl not just the cleveland browns because at the end of the day life is more than football life is more than football and a lot of people don't really understand that so um you know i just hope he's okay and i hope that he's still with the team because he's a tremendous player and a tremendous asset and i guess it's easy for for those on the outside to vilify the guy but Nobody, very few people have been in that situation of instant spotlight and fame in a place like Texas. And, and you as a guy who's been in the spotlight yourself, I guess it isn't necessarily easy and there's nothing that can really prepare you for it. Yeah, you know, it, being as famous as guys like Johnny, you know, in college, like guys like Johnny and Jamie, those guys who won the Heisman, it's different. Your life changes as soon as they call your name. Um... It's just so many eyes on you that weren't there. Uh, the expectation of behavior is different. And, I mean, understandably so, but we're human. And a lot of people don't really understand it. Uh, you know, everybody likes to have fun. Everybody likes to, you know, go out with friends. Everybody likes to do this and that. But at the end of the day, it's, I, I don't know. It, it, it confuses me sometimes as to why. I feel, I, I feel like some people target Johnny, but at the end of the day, uh you know, it's I don't know. You know, I I, I don't really I try not to get into the all, all all the specifics as far as Yeah, of course. You know, what's going on and but I know generally what's going on and I know Johnny uh, fairly well over this past year. It's you know, I'm not gonna say the guy's my best friend, but I, I I've been around him, you know, I observe people, people observe everybody, everybody people watches. So <laughs> um I mean you you, you, you and, and and with somebody like Johnny, you know, you have to go and you know, just look back and just realize that, you know, like I said a minute ago, man, it, it just goes back to humanity, man. We're all human. Yeah. And people make mistakes, but uh, I'd rather someone help Johnny now than for something to, than, than for something to go wrong because that, that, that'd be sad. But, you know, it's just too much talent, too much potential out there in Johnny. You know, I've seen it. A lot of the guys have seen it. You know, we saw it in college. 
But uh, like I said, I just pray for Johnny and I hope everything works out in the best. I think you nailed it. Life is more than football. Um, sorry, Liam. I was just going to ask how much of a, a distraction it was last year for the team because it seemed like every week, you know, you were answering questions about Johnny Manziel. And, and you hear even when he wasn't it playing. Again, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's what it's, I mean, it's what the media wants. The media wants answers. The media wants questions. And I mean, as, as professional athletes, we're obliged to come out and answer questions. So, uh, I mean, like I said, man, it, it, it can become a distraction. And like I said, I, Johnny's not the type of guy who wants it to be about him. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's becoming it, it's becoming something else. So, I mean, we have to all sit and look at it and, and, and you know, just reflect and try to do the best we can and handle the situation accordingly. I'm intrigued from a, from a line play perspective and we've talked about how much we enjoy talking we're, about the we're, line. We've spoken about <laughs> offensive lines all week. That, that's uh, what we love to do. Um, but when you've got uh, your quarterback changing through the season, you played with three different guys starting this year and then there's a lot of talk about the Browns drafting a guy high. I mean, we've just had Paxton Lynch sitting in that very seat. He could be a guy that you're protecting in, in nine months' time. When you, as a defensive line, you've got to develop that relationship with a quarterback. How different it, difficult is it when it's changing so regularly to not be able to develop and learn how to block for certain people and what their skills are? Uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say it's easy, but uh, I mean, as professionals, we have to adapt. And I mean, that's the biggest. That's one of the biggest parts of the game is adapting to any situation uh, because anything can happen on any, any given Sunday. Anybody can get hurt. Anybody can go down. Anybody can. You know, it, it, it's it's it, it's a, it's a plethora of different things that can happen. But um, I mean, playing with different quarterbacks is uh, man, you just go out there and control what you can control. Uh, I go out and block the man in front of me, uh, block my assignment. At the end of the day, you know, if something happens, if my man gets a sack or if my man, you know, gets through or something, hey, you know, hey, we just got to fix it. It's not anything that you can go out there and get angry about. I mean, you're angry with yourself because. You know, you expect a lot from yourself. But playing with different quarterbacks is different. I mean, Johnny's a mobile quarterback, but he can also throw the ball. He uh, Just pocket awareness. Uh, I mean, Josh McCown's a great veteran, a great guy that I played with this year. Uh, I mean, and Austin Davis as well. Um, all those guys had their unique qualities. But, you know, as an offensive line, it's hard because those guys do things different. And, you know, it's different. Is, is the thing that Cleveland need now stability because – changing quarterbacks changing head coaches changing GMs I mean you look at the best franchise in the NFL and they are people who've, who've been the same head coach the same quarterback for years and years I like that you're pointing at a Cleveland Patriots fan as you say yeah, that consistency <laughs> but consistency does seem to make the difference doesn't it consistency breeds excellence man I, I mean you can't say you can't say it any better uh, guys like the Patriots uh, the Broncos these guys have been in, 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 at the top of, at the top of their games for a long time now so <laughs> I'm just trying, you know, we're, we're trying to get to the point where, where those guys are uh, to make the name of the Cleveland Browns relevant again. And, you know, a lot of people write us off every year. People have already written us off for next year, and they don't even know. So uh, they don't know the character of the men that are going to be in that locker room, uh, but we do. So uh, we're going to go out and we're going to do the best that we can to, to compete and to win games. Great stuff. Now, I want to ask about this weekend's game. Uh, you, you mentioned it already, and it's a game I really wanted to ask you about from the moment we heard you were coming down, and that's you took the Broncos to overtime this year. Protecting the inside of that line against uh, Derek Wolf, against Malik Jackson, and all those threats on the outside as well. How did you contain 
all of that pass rush. Well, personally, I didn't really play that game, but uh, well, as a line, I, as know, a team, as a unit, you know, <laughs> take the credit. <laughs> oh man, uh, I mean, those guys did a tremendous job. Uh, we had to block guys like Von Miller, and you know, Demarcus Ware didn't play against us, but uh, those guys have a tremendous defense in general, and it's it, it was a tough game. I, but uh, well, what about the preparation in the week building up to it? Because you're in that you're in that film room. You're seeing what you're seeing on tape from the guys. You're seeing all those different schemes. They throw blitzes from the outside. They have Miller and Ware who can just get so much pressure with just the two of them. The guys. How when you watch that? How do you think to yourselves, right? What are we going to scheme here to make this to make this work? Uh, it's not so much me thinking about scheme. It's just making sure you know your opponents. Um, I mean the plays and the scheme. Uh, that's already instilled. That's there. Uh, it's just making sure you know your opponents every week and and knowing their, knowing your opponents as well as they know themselves. And I'm I'm still getting the preparation part down, and I'm trying to learn a lot. And I've learned a lot from guys like Joe Thomas, Mitch Schwartz, Alex Mack, all those guys this season. And as far as preparation goes, those guys are some of the best that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, results may not show it all the time as far as the win-loss the win -loss column, but those guys are true professionals. Everybody that I play with on the offensive line, John Greco, you know, Joel Batonio, all those guys have been a tremendous help to me in my first year. And, you know, moving forward, I feel like it's going to be the same, and we have something special. I, I, I wanted to ask you about some of the guys you mentioned there, Batonio and Joe Thomas. And that offensive line has a chance to be Dallas-like a couple of years ago and a real strength of the team. You guys look really really stout up front how exciting is it going into your second year to be a part of that unit and how much are you looking forward to that oh man it's very exciting just because like you always expect to be the best always and in my mind you always I always expect to be the best so this season coming up is going to be tremendous for us in so many aspects and and you know i can already see it but i mean coming to get, uh, that whole o-line oh, it, those guys are professionals. Uh, they've taught me so much. And coming back to be potentially one of the best in the NFL or, or at least be considered or talked about in that way, it, it's, it's nice. But until you actually do it, it's just words. Look, Cam, I, I understand we've, we've got to get out of here. One quick one from Liam, and yeah, then I've got just, a final question. Just I want to ask this go on. tangent on Florida State. Obviously, you played there with Menlik Watson, one of our own British players had the Achilles injury last year and is going yeah. into a, a massive year this year I mean do you think he can he can make it as a tackle in the NFL a good tackle he's one of he is one of the most and when I say most I mean the most explosive men I've ever seen in my life <laughs> you know he has those little nagging injuries sometimes and it's like it's, it's crazy because he played football he's played football for maybe what four years now yeah I've been playing football my whole life, and he's done things that I have never thought about doing. And the fact that, <laughs> and the fact that he does it in a it good way, in a good way, <laughs> in a great way, man, Menelik, man, he he's a great player. He's a true athlete, and and I mean, I I'm, I can't wait to see what he does because I know he can be successful in this league. And hey, I'm, he he's a, he's a, he's attending our Super Bowl party on Sunday night over in the UK. So uh, can he party with the UK fans? That's the other thing. Can he hold up the party as well as hold up a line? Hey. Men looking hold it down. <laughs> he can hold it down. <laughs> Liam literally asked exactly what I was going to ask him. Oh, really? Delighted he did. So I'm going to go out on something slightly different then. From one cam on another cam, is Cam Newton and other Panthers going to win the game, or is it going to be that Broncos defense that was so stout that you guys managed to block? I know, I, I know you guys can't see me on the radio right now, but the guys that are doing this interview can see what I'm about to do. 
I'm about to dab. No. <laughs> no, I feel like the Panthers are going to win this game. And, um, you know, you respect the guys from the Broncos and Peyton Manning, and you want to see him go out on top. But at the same time, uh, Cam Newton's had a tremendous season, and he's come so far in a short amount of time. And I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. He's a Georgia boy, and I'm from Georgia, and I want to see Cam. I want to see the Panthers win the Super Bowl. Man, really fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, enjoy Super Bowl 50. Thank you. Cam Irving there, uh, offensive lineman of the Cleveland Browns. I, I loved the way he responded to me asking about whether he was in, looking forward to splitting out wide now Hugh Jackson was going to be coming in and uh, running some of those crazy offensive schemes that he ran while he was in Cincinnati. Uh, Ollie, did you have any thoughts on Manziel? I think we've kind of covered it in a lot of depth and, and we do want to talk about the team's in the higher end of the draft, lower end, as we go on through the season. So Paul will probably talk more Browns. But did you have any thoughts on on Johnny and and his situation? Well, over the last two, one or two years, I've been rather derogatory about Johnny. I didn't think he'd make it. Um, I've said that I hope he fails. I hope that he doesn't do anything in football. And that kind of has all happened and come true. But it's not something that I'm pleased about. It's not, you know, it, it was a bit, for the for the show and it's sad to see that uh, a, a kid has uh, it, it's come to this for someone who obviously has the talent and we we saw the talent last year in a stretch of three or four games and perhaps if he was kept in and not constantly replaced by uh, by um oh, what's his face um well by the t- by those McCown and the, and uh, and uh, Austin Davis. Austin Davis. Thank you very much. If he wasn't replaced, and I don't think that did much for him in in any case. So I think the Browns are slightly culpable here as well. So as as much as um, I think that anyone that calls themselves Johnny Football uh, is a complete tool, I don't like to see what's happened to him. And I think actually the Browns and his upbringing, his and himself. I don't think anyone comes out of this with any sort of credit whatsoever. What's quite interesting and what's slightly different and weird about this situation as well is that actually we're hearing all this self-destructive stuff, but it's not like a Gaza situation. It's not like a Pete Doherty situation. I don't know why those are the two names which jumped to mind from, from kind of British or Amy Winehouse. I know those are more music related, but where we hear about the self-destruction, but we can see it in plain sight. Yes, we see that he goes out and he drinks and he does stupid things like missing uh, concussion tests and, and those sorts of things. But actually when you see him out and about, it was Mike Evans' wedding last weekend and he t- obviously they were uh, f- uh, friends and colleagues at Texas A&M and he was at the wedding and he was maybe not sober but reasonably well behaved all the photos of him smiling he seems to be in a good place when you actually see him and then you hear about all the behind the scenes stuff he kind of almost I can't work out whether he covers himself well or whether people overblow the story and it's a kind of if this was happening in the 70s and if this was you know Broadway Joe or someone like that people would just be like hey you know he's a footballer this is great it's fun it's great to have a celebrity all that sort of stuff so it's that's what's quite interesting to me about his situation and I I feel like he may not land on a team in the way that he was hoping to maybe end up at the Cowboys competing for a job but I don't necessarily expect him to go full Tebow and slip out of the league. I think someone will give him a shot uh, and we will see him back in the NFL in 2016, maybe for his last season if he can't pull his own socks up. But yeah, he's obviously not going to be back at Cleveland and and he's kind of shot himself in the foot in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's not something that we here at Gridiron are pleased about, but you know. I feel like you're a little pleased. 
I'm a little pleased, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, uh, finally, as we promised two interviews from Radio Row, let's move on to, I think, what might be one of Ollie's favourite interviews of the week and the photo of you squaring up to him exploded on Facebook and people absolutely loved it. Uh, but Deontay Wilder, IBF, WBF, WBC. WBC, I, I, there's too many belts. It's like having five different Super Bowls. It's ludicrous. <laughs> it is like college bowls. They are a bowl champion, but they are the Pizza Hut's inaugural half marathon bowl champion. Yeah, no one knows what kind of, what, what does it all mean? So, no one knows. But there's, there's some sort of hierarchy and actually uh, I think the WBC is one of the most is is the most respected uh, of them. Singular title. And Deontay Wilder, who we had really good fun chatting to for five or so minutes last year, joined us at our desk for a good 15, 20-minute chat. So let's just pop this in there in full. There'll be some talk about the game, of course, as well, and, and uh, everyone making false... I want to leave all this in so we can hear everyone falsely saying that the Panthers <laughs> are going to win, including us. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, so uh, this is... Uh, WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay. I'm not going to carry on with that because it's really hurting my world. So back on Radio Row, and uh, obviously we get plenty of NFL players here, former NFL players here, but it's not just the stars of the world of football that join us when we do this. And last year we spoke to this man. I think it was two days after he just won the world heavyweight title and he now joins us again a year later Deontay Wilder how are you today sir I'm doing good man I'm doing I'm blessed man I'm, I'm enjoying everything I'm, I'm just excited to be here uh, with all the festivities that's going on with the game seeing other other players and just all of it man just talking to you guys and everybody else man how you guys doing oh, yeah. we're loving it this, yeah. is, this is incredible being the only Brits here we're loving it because people uh, just come over to hear us speak because of our accents. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you had someone come over just to hear you speak uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. Tyson Fury invaded. Oh uh, yeah. Invaded the ring. Firstly, I'd like to apologise for that. Nah, uh, being, man. being a Brit, you know, he doesn't he doesn't speak for us all. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. You know what? Um, like like a lot of media people came here and asked me was um. A lot of people didn't like it, you know. Um, a lot of media asked me, was it disrespectful for me that he did it? And, and you know, I'm, I'm just laid back. I'm easy going. I'm all about heavyweight division, bringing the excitement back and stuff like that. So I always thought it, it wasn't disrespectful to me. What I, I knew he was doing, he was marketing. I, I You know, I think it was uh, entertaining for boxing. I think it was excitement for the, for the fans and stuff like that. But I do find it was disrespectful for my opponent, though. You know, if, if, if it comes into disrespect... There you go. <laughs> um, Just a very attractive heckler. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you, know you, say you found it's disrespectful it's to your opponent. going on around here. <laughs> My eyes have been wandering ever since. Yeah. Deontay Wilder is no longer concentrating on his three British <laughs> I am not. You were saying you found it disrespectful for your opponent, but, but that you enjoy what it brings to the heavyweight division. For you, was it a positive when Tyson Fury goes out there and beats Klitschko and breaks the streak of, of them owning those titles? And, and now we're going to see a mix-up in the heavyweight division with yeah. not just yourself being the other title holder. Oh, most definitely. It's, it's exciting, man. You know, this, the heavyweight division is finally getting exciting again, you know, um, with all the matchups, with everything that's going on, with the different belts being changed different hands and now um, I see that uh, 
that unifying the division is on reach now. Yep. You know, um, it's just a matter of time. And um, I'm definitely the man for that job to, to bring it back. That's my mission and my goal is to unify the division. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of having a uh, heavyweight champion and a super champion and an um, intern champion to crush it. When, I, when, I, when they say heavyweight champion of the world, I want them to relate one guy, one face, and that's Deontay Wilder to it. That way no people will get confused about what's going on. This is one, one name, one man, you know. You know, that's why I'm staying active. That's why I'm not only inside the ring, but outside the ring as well, too. You know, I want I want to stay relevant. That's one of the things that Klitschko didn't do. Yeah. They only fight once or twice a year. and, and Always and, in Germany was, as well. And, exactly. And there was none active outside the ring at all. So people, that's why people still didn't know who was the heavyweight champion of the world was, you know. But with me in hand, always fighting. Um, always staying active inside and outside arena and, and face being everywhere so people relate oh that's Deontay Wilder everywhere, it's everywhere and I think that's very important what, what is the plan for you next then because obviously Tyson there's a rematch clause with, um, with Vladimir so that's going to have to be exercised I guess before you two can get in the ring I guess you'd fancy the winner of that match I mean it's not a given that Tyson beats him again but is, is that what you'd want almost definitely you know uh whether it's Klitschko or Fury, uh, whoever has the belt, that's who I want. That's who I want to. Um, like I said, I want to uni- unify the division. But my, my next my next opponent will be Alexander Povakin. Yeah, it's my mandatory, and um, I'm looking to try to fight him sometime in April, if possible. Um, after that fight, we'll see if if Klitschko and Fury has a date yet. You know, you know how I am. I like to continue to fight. You know, I don't like to I don't like to wait. So if they don't have a date set up my next fight after Alexander Povakin I'm just telling you my perfect world of, of fighting not looking past no one but just in my perfect planning of world if they don't have a, a, a set day after that I'm looking to go to Charles Martin to yeah. get the IBF title by that time they for surely should have a date and then after that unifying the title once and for all in 2017 we have a uni- uh, uh, unified champion Deontay, we've got a couple of uh, we're British uh, British media guys. We've got a couple of Brits. One that a, a former world champion who's come back in David Hay, and Anthony Joshua, who's lighting up uh, what's going on over over the across the pond. Mm. I'd like your thoughts, perhaps, on firstly on David Hay coming back, and if he can go back to his his former bests, and also Anthony Joshua, a rising star. Would, do you think either of those two a lot further down the line for them both? You could face either of those. Almost oh, ever. This is a heavyweight division. You know, you, you just never know. Nobody is is is, ex, is exit from the equation. You know, so uh, you know, and this is a heavyweight division. But not only that, this is the heavyweight division is, is a small division. You know, so we're we're not we're not filled. We're not packed like middleweights and stuff like that. You know, it's it's, it's a small division. So at any given time. Um, you can you can damn well fight anybody. You know, so um, you know we got David um um coming off a of performance and stuff but we we it's still to see if he's really back you know and uh then then you you got um Anthony Joshua Anthony Joshua you know um coming up we um I think he's um well, they, they got eliminated medalist yeah and, uh, you know he, he's really his star is on the rise yeah it must have is it definitely if he keep up what he's doing definitely star is on the rise so it's the division is wide open you know um and it's, like I said, it's exciting. You got a lot of guys, including myself, making it exciting. And um, I'm looking forward to, to whatever. 
listen, listen, you mentioned there when, when, you, when you said about the, the other fight, you said that if they had set a date and if they did fight, you want to face the winner of that. In your mind, would you rather face Vladimir and be able to show that you've beaten the guy who held the titles for so long? Or do you fancy Fury, considering what he did recently and considering that he is a bit of a mouth and he's the guy who was the first guy to beat Vladimir in, in some time? Who would you fancy of those two I mean, to show that Deontay Wilder is the best? Right. Whoever has the belt, that's why I, I think I think if both stays in boxing, you know, I'm going to fight either one of them either way. You know, but my main focus right now, feeding feeding my goal, is to unify. So, whoever has that belt, that's who I would want to face. That's what you know. After after I get them all, then hey, let's get the next guy. You know, or so forth and so on. Um, but but either, either, either or, it, it, I don't have a preference. Whoever has those titles, that's who I want. Point, point blank and sip. We've got uh, three international games, NFL games. They play, they're played in Wembley Stadium. 86,000 people come. We've got one in Twickenham, a rugby stadium. But also in Wembley Stadium, about two or three years ago, was Carl Froch versus George Groves. 90,000 people yeah. packed out that stadium. It was an incredible night. Have you any designs in fighting in Britain? And would a big arena like that, maybe Tyson Fury, Definitely. at Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people? What, how, does that appeal to you? Well, you know... When he got in the ring, I told him I, I'll, I'll come to his backyard, and I, you know, and I mean that. You know, I'm willing to come over there to take. If, if just say if he wins, I'm willing to come over there and take the titles. That's the one with You know, I'm very comfortable with England. You know, I got a lot of friends. Um, you got a lot back, of fans in England. As well. Got a ton of fans. We'll back put in you England. up if you need to stay yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a sofa, uh, so it's, it might be a bit short for you, but yeah. you can stay on it if you like. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable over there. So I'm, I'm looking forward, and and I feel that when they say heavyweight champion of the world, I feel that that's a world traveler, not just in your home country, but all over the world. You know, and um, that's what I want to be recognized. At the end of the day, with my legacy over and done, that's what I want to be labeled as, somebody that, that went behind enemy lines, you know, fought everybody, you know, and, and, and had great, exciting fights every time I came out. So, you know. I want to ask you very, sorry, Matt, I want to ask you very quickly, before we get into a bit of boxing, a bit of uh, football, sorry. Um, American boxing, especially the heavyweight division, was on a bit of a down, downturn and in the bit of the doldrums. Do you feel that it, you've brought it back to what it once was when Mike Tyson, before some of the stuff where he went a bit, a bit yeah. bad, but you know, with Vander Holyfield, do you think you've brought America, put US boxing, American heavyweight boxing back on the map? Oh, most definitely. Most, most definitely. You know, not just myself, but other people as well, too. But um, with, with my knockout, having a 97% ratio of knockouts of course when people get dressed and come to see fights come see heavyweight fight they come to see knockouts yeah you know that's what they want to see and in the heavyweight division we all know that you don't have to have skills in the heavyweight division it's all about power if you have power you, then it erases everything else if you have that eraser that that that, that equalizer then nobody's safe in the in the ring no matter what round it is? It can be the it can be the 12th round with 30 seconds left in there. You know, when you face a guy with power, it ain't over till that clock hits zero. And um, that's where I come in at. No matter what, no matter if a guy have more skill than me, he's the thing about it. I'm born with natural power, and nobody is safe. America is is obviously the the epicenter of boxing, and the heavyweight division traditionally is the center of boxing. 
not since Tyson have American supporters been as excited about an American heavyweight as they are with you. And then you've got that rich history of Ali, Jack Johnson all the way back to the start. How important is it to you to be that next great American heavyweight? It's very important, you know. It's, it's, it'll be a, a dream come true and a, another goal accomplished for me. You know, I want to do it just for the fans all over. You know, I want to be able to, to, to have, you know, guys want to come, come at me, my, my, my head be wanted, if I would say. I want to be that, that, that target of everybody, you know. Not just gonna, if I have all the belts, I'm fighting. I'm already accustomed to fighting four or five times, even six. When I first started out, I was fighting six times a year. So I'm accustomed to fighting as many times uh, a year as possible. But when I have all the belts, now you have the best of the best heavyweights fight because I'm always lined up with mandatories. I'm gonna have mandatory better best. So if you're a mandatory, that means you're the number one guy. So that that is not. It, so it, it ain't no excuse of of. Uh, He's who he's fighting or whatever because he's gonna be the best of the best. That's what I want. I want the best of the best that'll that'll put me as my legacy of what I wanted. People say I have fought the best. I went behind him and lines. I went everywhere. That's why it's important for me to to replenish this sport and, and to get all those titles because it's allowed me to make this sport back great. It's not been a fight that I've been in. I haven't been that sighting. All of them have been knockouts. I've delivered that. And I'm gonna continue to do that, man. Just imagine years later, 10 years, 15 years later, I'm 60. I'm I'm 60 wins with with, with, with with I hope not no gray hair. You know, I hope I still when I'm, you know, I don't know how old I would be, but uh, hoping I still look young with 60 wins and 59 knockouts, man, and retire like that, man. It's it's I'm, I'm looking to do remarkable things in boxing. I'm looking to bring it back like it once was, even better. And um, I think I can do it. I think everything is, is, is down. I can see it happening. I can feel it happening as I've described it. And I will make it happen. I will make. I will be remembered as the man that brought boxing back single-handedly. I love, all, I love all of that. And obviously, Lennox was the last undisputed champion. Yes. So as in Britain, yes. we love the idea of seeing another one. I, just one f kind of final thing about the boxing, and it's more about the flash of the heavyweight division. Tell me about your car. Which one? The, the, the alligator wrapped Rab Lamborghini. Lambo, yeah. That one. The fact that you had to ask which one when yeah. you have an alligator wrapped Lamborghini. No, no, well, I like cars, man. I, I love cars. That's one of my one of one of my thing. Cars and watches. You know, I love a couple. That, of I mean, you're wearing that a hell of a watch right Fantastic. now. Man, you know, um, I buy things that's gonna that's gonna have. Uh, uh, a value afterwards you know you'll never see me wearing too much fancy jewelry I, I rarely buy earrings you know because you you can't get your money back off of that stuff you know you see a lot of guys with the, all this jewelry and stuff on yeah. i like watches um i like cars and uh, my my gator um um uh, rap um uh Abinador lamborghini man that's my, that's my baby you know when i want to escape like batman and get away from the world, I get in there and hit the interstate, and yeah, don't worry, I you're inconspicuous in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I would say, if you are going to come to England, we're always happy to ride in Lamborghinis. So I mean, feel free to give us a call. And if you, and want, if you, you find can... yourself hard up, you know that there's still value in that Lamborghini. I'm yeah. sure they might buy it off you as well. So. Oh, most definitely. I'll, 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 I've got about five hundred dollars in my account right now. Yeah. We could, we could make it, Dave. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Deontay Wilder, WBC World Heavyweight Champion. Good fun chatting with him when we were on Radio Row this year. As I say, we've got so much more content to come from there. We'll have a Chief special, we'll have a Jag special. We're going to talk about the LA Rams move. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff in there. And we've got loads on concussions and head injuries. We're going to look to put together some kind of two-part documentary on that. Uh, we're talking to the people at Riddell, at the Helmets, what they're going to be doing now. So much is going to be going into that. So that's going to be a big off-season project of ours. And I hope you stick with us and, and look forward to that. Uh, keep checking us out at Gridiron on Twitter, gridiron-magazine.com for all the content that we'll continue to publish there. There are two more editions of the magazine to come out this year. Our Super Bowl review, which is finished in the books and should be with you any day now. If you've not ordered that, you can still do online at gridiron-magazine.com. And there'll be our huge draft preview edition, including our chat with Paxton Lynch and Lee Steinberg. I've seen some of the work that Simon Clancy's doing for that already, and it's going to blow your little socks off. So definitely look out for that. That final magazine will come out in late April, and then we'll start it all over again in August. But don't worry! Me and Ollie are going absolutely nowhere. We'll still be bringing you weekly pods, plenty of stuff. So hit us up at Gridiron on Twitter with all your questions. We'll do our best to answer as many of them as possible, as long as, Ollie, they are good quality. Exactly. Make them better, people. Make them better. So thank you, everyone, for getting in touch. Thank you, everyone, who's been listening to the show and supported us through the Super Bowl and gave us so much love uh, during that time. It was so much fun, and we really appreciate all your kind comments, even the people who gave us, uh, gave us some stick for being there. That's fine. We love you too. Uh, Ollie, People any... gave a stick for being there. Not in a nasty way, but, you know, in a kind of, oh, yeah, I'm, like, totally not at all, like, at all jealous or nothing like. Oh, those guys. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's cool. Is there any final thoughts you have, buddy? Uh, just watching The Walking Dead, a bit that you <laughs> told me <laughs> about that I completely missed. Brilliant. Uh, it's incredible. So thank you very much for listening, guys. At Gridiron on Twitter, all of the good stuff. Uh, keep in touch with us. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Love you. Bye. I don't know I was clapping through that end bit. That was weird. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.